Well, this evening, we continue to look at the idea of how the gospel was ordained by God to go out, to go out across the nations. One of the things that uh, I didn't mention on last week was uh, paragraph, or excuse me, yeah, chapter 20, often the Second London Baptist Confession and the Westminster Confession follow a fairly similar pattern. Um, the, uh, the men who came together to form the uh, Second London, or the First and then the Second London Baptist Confession, they gleaned a lot from the Westminster Assembly that did the Westminster Confession of Faith. They laid down many great doctrines. Uh, but we recognize we have uh, differences than our Presbyterian brothers and sisters in Christ. And as they did this, there was also uh, 20 years that, took, uh, that had gone since the, the writing of the Westminster Confession. And in that time, there were things historically that were taking place. Um, anytime you write any document, you can keep refining it and making it better. Uh, bringing more clarity to certain issues. Uh, just as today, uh, just a few years ago, uh, there was the uh, the New City Catechism. Anybody or in, anybody ever heard of that? Uh, Tim Keller and a number of really solid Reformed people uh, have, have written that new catechism. It has some great tools, um, and with it, kind of some confessionary pieces to it. Um, but one of the things, they were focused on writing uh, a confession and catechism towards certain things that are more applicable today, things that we're facing. And that's why sometimes we see some differences in additions and subtractions between the two. But what's interesting is the Westminster Confession of Faith doesn't include any of what we see of chapter 20. This was something that uh, the Congregationalists the, who wrote the Savoy Declaration, uh, the they gleaned it from and brought it in. And one of the questions that um, in kind of studying on this chapter, nobody knows the real reason as to why this was a big reason or a big need to add. Because as we read through this chapter in the, the confession, this is all stated in other places. Um, some have, have said, uh, quoting uh, the, the men who wrote the Savoy Declaration, that they wanted one chapter to articulate the gospel. And I think that's about as good as you could, you could maybe assume what, what's going on here. But the, the focus of this entire chapter is, what is the gospel? Where is it to be proclaimed? How is it to be proclaimed? And how does it then go out throughout all the nations? You think about where we were on last last week, looking at how the the promise of the gospel and it could only be communicated uh, through special revelation through the Word of God. General revelation was not able to save, and we see that the gospel is not just that Jesus died for sin, but it's the whole picture of the of of Scripture that man is holy. Excuse me. Very wrong. God is holy. Man is sinful. God has chosen to redeem a people. And in doing so, gave of himself. Christ came, suffered, bled, died, rose again on the third day, and now has ascended into heaven and is coming back again. 
um, Vodi Bakum has a great uh, message on what is the gospel, uh, because it's so much bigger than what we often say. Um, and But we look at how the gospel is to be uh, communicated. Uh, as we consider that, um, sorry, I ended up on the wrong. Look at paragraph three, or actually before that, look at Romans ten fourteen on the, the screen behind me. I hope it's there right, David. Nope, I took it out. I'm sorry. Romans 10, 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how uh, are they to believe on him who they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone, what? Preaching. The ordained means by which God has decreed to take the gospel around the world is us. From the apostles, go, make disciples of all nations. That continues to us today. And we recognize that creation is not, it's enough to show the glory and the existence of God, but it is not sufficient to save. Paragraph 3 in the confession states this, The revelation of the gospel to sinners made in diverse times and sundry parts with the addition of promises and precepts for the obedience required therein, as to the nations and persons to whom it is granted, is merely of the sovereign will and good pleasure of God. Not being annexed or added to by virtue of any promise to the due improvement of man's natural abilities, by virtue of common light received without it, which none ever made or can do so. And therefore, in all things, excuse me, in all ages, the preaching of the gospel has been granted unto persons and nations as to the extent, the breadth, or the straightening, the narrowing, in great variety according to the counsel and the will of God. Again, sometimes as we read an older document, we, we think, wow, that's really wordy. And uh, I, I pray that as we kind of work through these things, we see that words are important. That as the gospel goes out in different times and in different parts, the, the promise there. Think of the, uh, the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what's the next line? Next verse, verse 29. Teach. Yeah, teaching them everything obeyed, we've commanded, or that I've commanded. And look, look at where it says about the third uh, line down, excuse me, the second line, with the addition of promises and precepts for the obedience required therein. That's where that line comes from, that to obey all that's been commanded. It's to go to all the nations, to all the persons. But what I want us to see about this gospel call is that, number one, it's not earned by what a person or a nation does or does not do. As the gospel call went out in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the othermost parts of the earth, was it because one nation or one people group was better than another? No. And you know what? Sometimes we have to be careful because I think there's a sense of pride that can easily creep into us. Why are we standing as a reached people group and another people group an unreached people group? 
It is, speci- um, it is specifically of the will of God. There is nothing that we have done. Even God said this of the nation Israel in Deuteronomy 7, 7. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. Why did God choose the nation Israel to be a special people that he would work in and through? Because it was God's choice. Why did God choose Mary to give birth to Christ? Because it was his will. There was nothing seen or valuable. Because remember, we, we, we remember how the attributes of God are. That God is not... Um, uh, he does not have passions. Remember? That there's nothing outside of him that turns him one way or the other. That causes him to do something or not to do something. And just as it is, as the gospel goes forth, there is nothing specific in people that can be done or can, is not done that can earn God's favor. Europe and England did not attract God's attention by any improvement they made to their land or themselves because of the Reformation that was brought upon. Because the Reformation was actually God working. Any good that we do is what he has already created. And the gospel call as it goes out is completely of his free will. And it happens according to the counsel of his will. It only happens by what he decrees. It's a sovereign grace. It is a free grace. 1 Corinthians 1, 26-29 says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, just so we don't get ourselves confused thinking, well, it's only saying many. Is there anything left? Paul continues. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put put to shame the wise. And God has chosen weak things of the world to put shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised. God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Why is it completely of God's free grace because if there was anything that we were deserving of to get God's grace then we could boast that we could take some credit and this is where I think the Arminian position falls on its face and shows the this man-centeredness that man still has to choose therefore then puts credit on man to say I saved it was my choice And we recognize that, yes, there is an act of our will, but it is not because we have the ability, but because God gave us that ability. As Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 say, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Why does Paul say? Lest anyone should boast. The pride of our heart so quickly wants to take the littlest sense of accomplishment to say, I did something. 
it's easy to grow up in a home where we're conservative. We don't do certain things. We don't, uh, we don't watch this. We don't do that. And then we begin to think, well, I'm pretty good, aren't I? But the gospel call is reminding us that it has nothing to do with us. That it is all of God. Even in Acts, as, the, as Paul is, is going on his missionary journey, Think of it this way. The gospel call is going out through the Apostle Paul. How did it determine? It says, and after they, come, they came to Mycenae, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. It was the decree and the will of God where the gospel call would go out. And today, it is still the same. So look back at paragraph 4. Although the gospel be the only outward means of of revealing Christ in saving grace and is as such abundantly sufficient thereunto, yet that men who are dead in trespasses and sins may be born again, quickened or regenerated, there is moreover necessary and effectual, insuperable work of the Holy Spirit upon the whole soul for the producing in them a new spiritual life without which no other means will affect their conversion unto God. To kind of summarize paragraph four, the gospel has to go. But the only way the gospel is made effective to bring to salvation is the work of the Spirit. Uh, Sam Waldron, in his exposition on kind of taking the commentary or taking the confession and putting a commentary to it, he says it is like a light bulb. A light bulb in of itself does not have anything, but it is required for the electricity to then be in a controlled environment where it lights up. The Holy Spirit is that which uses the gospel to bring light, but the light by itself does nothing. That's why we can proclaim the gospel, proclaim the gospel, proclaim the gospel, and nothing happens. Because it is proclaiming the gospel, and the Spirit then brings wisdom and understanding, brings a a conversion of the soul to receive the message. It is completely of the Spirit. Again, we've used that phrase, an effectual grace, the effectual call, for the Spirit alone makes us able to hear. The Spirit alone makes us able to respond. And the amazing reminder is that 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 gospel call and the Spirit's work is completely sufficient for salvation. It's easy to want to say, well, we need to add some stuff. We need to make it fancier. We need to make it more palatable for our culture today. But anytime we do that, we begin to undermine the power in which God has decreed. Ephesians 2, 4 to 5, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of All the good things that we have done? No. But because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, what does he do? He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we've been saved. It's interesting as we're 
three quarters of the way to well two thirds three quarters of the way through the confession here's a chapter that just kind of goes back and reminds us what are the foundations in our own lives it's all of grace all of God working in our lives to draw us to himself but as the gospel call goes out it's also our assurance that it's not in our own ability but it's in the work of the Spirit. We have to trust the means by which God has ordained that they will produce the fruit that God has ordained. And as soon as we begin manipulating, we, we start to produce fruit, but it is not true, lasting fruit. I was talking to somebody recently about Charles Finney. In reading more of the historical context of it, Charles Finney, with the Second Great Awakening and a lot of pragmatism that came, it didn't come to boost his own ego. It came because of the work of the First Great Awakening, and the people wanted to see the Spirit keep working. So what they do, they started trying to do things to manipulate and to think that this is the Spirit continuing. We need to do these things to kind of keep the energy going of the Spirit. And yet they realize... Actually, they didn't realize, but looking back, we can see that they were totally in error. And we must always guard ourselves never to think that we're fully relying on the Spirit of God to do the work that God has already ordained. We fight this in every area of our life. We can fight this with our kids. Oh, just say these words. And there's a great, a great fear that we have because it reminds us that we're not in control. That we have to trust God's sovereign grace. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the reminder of that salvation is all of you. Lord, we're humbled. Lord, that you showed your grace to any. That you were rich in mercy. That you have made us alive. And Lord, I pray that each of us here tonight would show evidence of that. Lord, that by your grace that we would turn from our sin and trust Christ alone for salvation. Lord, that each one here would be awoken by the Spirit to respond to your call. Lord, thank you for the comfort that that brings. Lord, that the results that you have ordained are guaranteed. Lord, I pray that you would find us faithful, declaring your message and trusting you. Lord, sometimes this is an area that could be easy in our, um, in our thoughts to acknowledge. But when we have unsaved loved ones around us, Lord, it's so hard. Lord, let us trust your sovereign hand. Help us not to diminish the pure gospel that you have given. Holy Spirit, do a great work, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.